Next on BYU Sports Nation, the Cougars lose at San Francisco. Why it wasn't as bad of a loss as you think. And although things didn't go as planned this season for Zach Wilson, was it a better season for the BYU quarterback than we thought? It's all about perception, right? And Steve Young joins us to discuss the Super Bowl, Taysom Hill, and play calling as BYUSN starts now. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 28th. Welcome inside Studio B. Great to have you. I'm Jeremy Jordan alongside Blaine Fowler. Blaine, I don't know if we've ever done a show together. This is exciting for me. We've done a lot of things together. We've done a lot of things together. But we've never done a show together. BYU Sports Nation. It's great to well, have you. Well, we've, we've done it, but only me. Yeah, now I'm sitting over I'm, here. I'm over here. Yeah. We've shifted just, into just as a guest. So now we're together. Yes, this is good. I actually like this. Ratings bonanza. This will be fun. Yesterday's show was certainly unique in terms of us focusing on Kobe Bryant. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Kobe Bryant as a guy who's covered sports and basketball for a long, long time. Yeah, it, it was interesting because, you know, his contributions to the game of basketball are unquestioned. And, I, you know, I was a huge fan of, of the way he played and the way he worked and all of that. And my kids, they're like Gavin. It's his favorite Gavin's player. Gavin's a huge fan. It's his favorite he player. He went to Kobe's last game in Utah. Yes, he did. And, and it's, Kobe it's, Jersey. Yeah. So, so for, from that perspective, from a basketball perspective, it's just – what he did uh, for the game and advancing the game was just unbelievable. And so tremendous respect there. But I, I kind of took a, a different tack because I love who he became after basketball. I love that he became such a family man. Only daughters, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he just invested himself in the lives of those daughters. And, and he passed away with his daughter, yeah. you know, chasing her dreams, uh, going to a, to a sporting event with her. Um, I, I loved who he became. And so it made me reflect on family and how important all of that is. He, I think, and I think it made everybody do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kobe Bryant certainly remembered. And uh, coming up later in the show, we uh, will hear from the BYU men's basketball team on their thoughts on uh, Kobe Bryant's passing, including Yoli Childs, not to mention Mark Pope tonight on uh, yeah. BYU basketball with Mark Pope. So other, uh, other content on the show today. We've got Steve Young on the program. We've recorded an interview with him Friday. So we didn't get a chance to ask him about Kobe's passing, but we talked to him about the Super Bowl and Taysom Hill, and he brought up some interesting thoughts on uh, BYU play calling. We'll get to that coming up later. Plus the debut of the Top 5 Tuesday. This is a new thing we're going to do. Oh, I thought that we had done this. That you guys oh, had this, done is, this, this is the premiere. Man, I get to be in the You're here for first. We waited until you co-hosted This is show. good. I this, like this. We waited for that. But first, today's headlines. Men's Hoops remains a 10 seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracket from ESPN, playing Wichita State in Tampa. St. Mary's a nine seed. Gonzaga remains a one seed. More on the Cougars' team sheet and how the San Francisco game affected it. So headline two, Felipe G. Brito Fajeda, named National Middle Attacker of the Week by Off the Block. Ten kills, uh, finishing with an 833 hitting percentage against number five UC Irvine. Irvine, a fantastic match. BYU swept the MPSF Player of the Week awards again with Gabby Garcia-Fernandez named Offensive Player of the Week and Will Stanley being named Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, Garcia Fernandez had 41 kills and eight blocks, and Stanley ended up with 25 digs and seven blocks. So number two, BYU takes on number three, UC Santa Barbara, for a top three matchup this weekend in the Smithfield House. You you told me, I asked you because you know volleyball. I said, can can this team win 
yes. the national championship. You are telling me absolutely they have chances. The answer is yes. I, I think uh, BYU is one of the elite teams. In fact, in the media poll, I voted BYU number one this week. I think BYU's resume this season is better than Hawaii's. So exciting stuff. This weekend's yes, going to be a lot of fantastic. fun. Fantastic. Great, great uh, season so far. Absolutely. Junior gymnast Abby Miner crushing it in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. She's the gymnast of the week. Three straight all-around titles. Three straight. Uh, gymnast of the Week Awards. Shannon Evans made her season debut. Good to see her back. She earned Vault Specialist of the Week for her uh, performance against Southern Utah. The Cougars compete at Boise State this Friday. Hey, how about Jimmer Fredette? There's always it's always good to hear yeah, Jimmer oh, Fredette always. news, right? He's been voted uh, to the Greek League All Star Team. Fredette received the second highest number of votes for a foreign player. Was fifth overall in the voting. Not bad. No matter where he goes. He has right. fans. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. People love to watch Jimmer Fredette play. The way he plays, the passion, and when you can shoot it from that deep, people love it. People love it. Absolutely. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Saturday, the Cougars lost at San Francisco by one point, uh, dropping uh, BYU to 4-3 and three in West Coast Conference play. We'll never be okay, Blaine, with a loss to a non-St. Zaga team. I think we'll never say, you know what, that's okay. I think we expect BYU to win all of those games. Yet here we are, BYU with a loss to San Francisco. So let's discuss, was the loss a bad loss, given what we know about all the metrics? I- I'm going to say, no, it wasn't a bad loss. And really, BYU doesn't have a bad loss this season. How would we define it? A quad three or four loss, right. probably? So a, a quad two road loss is not a bad it loss. It has three or four of those. Right. right. Yeah. Um, you know, losing to Gonzaga, no matter where you play them, is not a bad loss. A, a loss to St. Mary's on the road is not a bad loss. So, so as much as uh, we like to see them win, I don't think this is a bad loss. And, and it's evidenced by um, all of the the rankings and ratings, all the different systems that we use to evaluate where they are in comparison to the rest of the nation when we're looking at NCAA tournament bids, it had very little, if any, effect on them. So I'm going to say it's not a bad loss. I was very disappointed, however, in this one, sure. more so than the others. The one thing BYU has shown me this year is is that they've been able, when they're not shooting the ball well at stretches during the game, especially on the road, they've been able to figure out a way to get stops and stay in the game. So they had a big lead in this game. They went on a scoring drought, and they, for the first time, were not able to figure out a way to get some stops, and they, and they just let the Dons go off. So I was disappointed in that. I'm hoping that this is just a great learning opportunity where they look and go, okay, what happens if a guy that's really not on the scouting report that only scores nine points a game just starts <laughs> to go off? Khalil Shabazz, yeah, what 32 we, points. What do we do with that? Ten of ten, six of six from three, right? Crazy. So – Okay, new learning. The guy's not one of their top scoring guys. What if somebody like that goes off? How do we shut him down? And I feel like there there are going to be some learnings from this one. They'll be better going forward. The reason I say it's not a bad loss is because it has very little impact on the number one goal, and that number one goal is to get back to the NCAA tournament. I think this loss doesn't have much impact. Yeah, BYU didn't drop in Lenardi. If you look at all the uh, metrics, BYU barely moved in many of them, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Since Friday before the San Francisco loss, BYU moved up in Ken Palm. What? They moved up. Uh, they were 21, another 20. <laughs> it, BYU in net, minus one from Friday to now. KPI, minus nine. That was the biggest difference. Strength of record, minus two. BPI, minus two. Sagarin, minus three. I think it depends 
uh, on how you look at this. If you look at it in the, in the micro, just in a vacuum, the San Francisco, yeah, it's a bad loss. But you're always up 14 with 16 minutes to go. And 10 minutes later, they're down 13. How do you go minus 27 in 10 minutes? I mean, that, that's was, the most disappointing part. That, of that was game. poor. Uh, but from the macro version, we look at the metrics and yeah. go, the tourney committee is not thinking this is a bad loss. Uh, I, I could see both arguments here. Here's the issue. BYU only has one quad one game left, Gonzaga at home, right. and one quad two, a St. Mary's at home this Saturday, by the way. That, it's six quad threes left and one quad four. BYU cannot afford any of those losses to feel comfortable going into the tourney. If BYU does lose one of those, they are squarely on the bubble, and there's not a lot of room for error. BYU probably needs to go 8-1 and one going into Vegas, and if they do, they could be the two seed, and that would be awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, BYU can take care of business this week and feel comfortable because St. Mary's was a game you had to get Saturday. Now, even more so. Yeah. I, mark my words. I think you're going to get the game Saturday. Yeah. With, I believe with, so, too. With, with Yoli uh, that much healthier, figure yes. a little bit better, with full, a full complement of guys. I think they get that game on Saturday. I really believe that. And that, that was the first loss where Yoli Child started and finished the game. That's right. Uh, Utah was an injury, right? Cramping up. Where BYU lost. Yeah. First off. No, I, I, I think they're in good shape. I think they get both. This week This week is more important than last week, so I'm okay with it. So, Okay, next topic. Zach Wilson. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. I mean, everybody wants to talk about Zach Wilson, even though it's not football season. Um, you know, let, let's listen to what Cam Meller says from Pro Football Focus about Zach Wilson and what his expectations are. I love the way he plays football. I was very, you know, obviously everybody was a little disappointed in the way the season unfolded, but for him to, to finish strong like he did in our, our grades, I really would expect Zach to kind of bounce back and have a full healthy season uh, and then get on this top 101 list next year. So, in my opinion, Zach Wilson, maybe people had too high expectation for him this past season, um, especially considering he didn't play spring ball. The injury in midseason, coming back from all that. So, so the question I have, Jerem, is this. Was Zach Wilson better than we thought last season? No. His yards per attempt, his <laughs> touchdown-interception ratio, his efficiency, and his yards per carry were all worse. I do know, and I'm very aware, that BYU played a tougher schedule with Zach as the quarterback, right? Guess what? When you're a freshman, you're graded on a curve. It's different. Oh, you're good for a freshman. And he didn't have to play uh, more than one Power 5 team. That was Utah as a freshman. Then uh, suddenly, if you're the guy, you're the guy, right? Zach Wilson can be a good quarterback. We've seen him be incredible, right? But competition certainly played a role in those numbers being down. I think he had to come back from injury too soon, and that affected his numbers. I think his uh, thumb uh, created perhaps an inability to grip the ball, perhaps, that we saw affect him against San Diego State in a way we didn't see against UMass. Hawaii, he was fine. Obviously, third and two, got to complete that pass, but he puts up enough points to win that game, you'd think. I'm interested in seeing him progress and him grow, and I would like to see Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney get – uh, some good competition there in fall. When the dust settles, Zach Wilson will be the starter against Utah. He doesn't have a short leash. That much was made clear by this coaching staff. He certainly has the highest uh, ceiling. The USC game was was the game there. He didn't play a perfect game. BYU was plus three in turnover margin. But with Zach Wilson, a quarterback, he can do that. I, I believe that Jaron Hall is right there with him. And I believe that Baylor Romney is a simpler version of those two. 
and can win you games, but I, I'm not quite sure, you know, against Power 5. So it's uh, was he better than with that? No, but I think that he can take a leap as an upperclassman now a junior. Yeah, and I, I think that question begs like, hey, when we look at it and we're a little more objective or not caught in the emotion, was he actually better than we thought he was? So my answer is he was exactly what I thought he was when I look at the numbers, but he was exactly what I expected he would be based on the circumstances. And people forget, I've had to remind a lot of people, um, when we look at this season, you look at his numbers, 62.4%, 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns. Now, the 12 turnovers are what, what bothers you. Nine of those yeah. were interceptions. Passer rating of 130.8 and BYU was 7-6. and six. And Cam Miller mentioned six of the nine he does not attribute to Zach. Right. They're, they're the tip balls or whatever, right? And so right. so let's, let's compare them. We're going to talk to Steve Young later, right? So Steve Young, his first year as a full-time starter, I'm counting because he only played half of two years that this basically was his first year remember he didn't play, play spring ball and I thought that that killed right. his regression right Zach Wilson right, did right so so Steve Young's junior season 62 percent 3100 yards 18 touchdowns 18 interceptions no bueno Steve Young is a junior a 140 rating right but now let's look at Steve Young's senior year 71 percent 3900 yards 33 touchdowns 10 interceptions a 168 rating Yes. And so tough, tough comp. He takes second in the Heisman, and he's a pro right. football player. And so, so look at the progression when you have <laughs> right. a year where you're actually the starter the whole year. You have spring ball. You're the starter in the offseason. You come back, and you have a whole year the next year. It makes a huge difference. So I'll give you one more example. Steve Sarkeesian. Remember, um, 1995, they were 7-4, didn't go to a bowl. Mm-hmm. 64%, 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 149 rating. Oh, let's fast forward to his senior year. 68.8%, 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 173 rating. I remember when Steve was a junior, Sarkeesian, we were going, man, is this, is this experiment of having a JC guy come in any good? And so what I'm saying is he's exactly what I expected him to be, and he's got to get better. And if he will put the work in that those guys did, he has a chance to be better because his skill set is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago just – it was tough in the games where he played against teams that won 8-plus. He had six touchdowns total and nine takeaways. So certainly room for improvement. We know the ceiling's high, but, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson. Got to be better, and I think he will be better. Topic three. Jay Glazer of Fox Sports reported Monday that Saints head coach Sean Payton believes Taysom Hill is ready to become the Saints franchise quarterback whenever Drew Brees retires. And therein lies the question. When will Drew Brees retire? I don't believe that uh, he is going to retire now. I think he'll be back for at least a year or two. So, uh, Blaine, is Taysom Hill already in the best possible situation um, for his pro career as a quarterback? My answer is I think he's in the perfect spot right now because you have to be in a place where they believe in you and where they believe you can be the next guy. I think that Sean Payton, first of all, is secure in his role as the head coach there, and I think he loves Taysom Hill. Absolutely. He loves what he brings to the team, into the locker room, and he also believes that he can play quarterback. He's said it multiple times now. He thinks he can be the heir apparent. He believes he's the guy that can take the Saints, you know, take them over when Drew Brees is done. I don't know if that's after. I I believe he'll be back next year for sure. And I I agree with you. I think he'll be maybe Maybe a couple more years. He's still playing at a really, really high level. And, And so I think about Steve Young. Steve Young, who we're going to have on later. Boy, we can talk about that. Nice promotion. Um, Steve Young was a starter down in Tampa Bay. It was miserable. He was a starter on a bad team. Should Taysom go to a team that's not as good as the Saints and not as good an organization and maybe be a starter down there? And No, I think it's great to sit behind a great player, 
learn from one of the greatest of all time, even if he's around for another two or three years, and then bide your time and then play in an organization that is a solid organization. I, I think he's right where he needs to be. I think it's a great spot for him. And when the head coach loves you like uh, Peyton loves him, you're in a good position. Absolutely. Anyone that's had a, a great time working at a job has probably uh, been valued, uh, had a great boss, and that boss figured out how to use them effectively. Okay, That's Sean Payton with Taysom Hill, exactly as you described. I think he's in a great spot. Okay, um, They love him there. He has a tremendous team around him. When Taysom Hill gets under center, he turns around and sees Alvin Kamara behind him and Michael Thomas on yeah. the side. You know what I mean? So skilled. Um, where would he go? that needs a quarterback that would be better. Here are the teams, in my assessment, who need a starting quarterback, potentially. Falcons have Matt Ryan. We'll see in three or four years, right? Panthers need one. Bears, mm-hmm. Colts, Chargers, Dolphins, Steelers, Bucks. Maybe the Titans, unless they go with Ryan Tannehill right after the playoff uh, move there. I think he's in the best spot he could be in. I think it's worth waiting. I think his, the, the return on investment is going to be high if he waits. And just keeps his money, if you will, there with the Saints. Um, so I'm interested to see that. Plus, they'll use him in this unique way. And Taysom, I, I've said this before. I think we all know Taysom Hill could play effectively at quarterback. He doesn't have enough uh, on film and stats, in my opinion, to just be handed a starting job. He's no. thrown 13 passes in the NFL. That's not enough quite yet. Um, if, if he gets a little more run this year and maybe proves himself that way, perhaps. He goes down there. Well, and he's also a huge star in New Orleans. Like, the fans why love him Why would you there. run from that? Yeah, why would you go away from that? He's got endorsement opportunities. He's got all kinds of things going for him there. I think he needs to stay right where he's at. I think it's a great spot for him. Plus, I went to his ward in uh, New Orleans uh, a summer and a half ago. His ward needs him, man. He's a star oh, yeah. there. He teaches the young men. I mean, it was he, he, he and I were chatting in the hallway. He said, I got to go teach Sunday school. I was like, it's you, all, know, you it's, know what? It's all about the ward. It's all about the ward. Let's go. (laughs) Question of the day. What are your expectations for Zach Wilson next season? Let's get to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Lauren JS on Instagram. You can weigh in on Twitter and Facebook as well. I'd like to see him make plays. He seems to always be looking for the big play when what he needs is yards and first downs. I'm expecting some maturity to make those better decisions. And when you're playing a Power 5 team, and BYU will, uh, the first four and then two others, that's going to be uh, a challenge because that ball's got to get out a little quicker. He he needs against great teams understand he needs to be a chain mover, and that's the most important thing. He can't win the game on every play, but he can lose it on a play. When he does that, he's going to be fine. Absolutely. Hey, coming up, BYU Hoops players react to the passing of Kobe Bryant and the impact he had on their lives. Steve Young joins us next to discuss the Super Bowl, Taysom Hill, and BYU play calling. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for BYU basketball with Mark Pope as Jake Toulson is mic'd up. And BYU players remember Kobe Bryant. Watch it on the BYU TV app at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, tomorrow night. It's, uh, yeah, tonight, actually. I mean, tonight, yeah, sorry. Tonight. I was like, wait, is it tomorrow? No, I don't do want to confuse you. Do I need to stay here all day? I don't day want to confuse no? you. Do this tonight. <laughs> do and this right now. Join us 
tonight. Exactly. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Well, Friday we recorded an interview with ESPN NFL analyst, BYU football legend, three-time Super Bowl champion, and uh, pro football Hall of Famer Steve Young on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. We were going to air it yesterday, but the Kobe news uh, passing certainly changed our plans. So we didn't get a chance to ask Steve about Kobe per se, but a lot of interesting subjects came up in this one that we've mentioned. Obviously the Super Bowl, his Niners in this with Fred Warner and Andy Reid and Daniel Sorensen, the Cougar Connection, uh, Taysom Hill in the news as well. Lots to discuss with Steve Young. Here's our conversation with Steve Young from Friday. Steve, as always, great to have you back on the show. And I say this every time, it's been too long. Uh, always. I mean, you know, we should talk weekly, but, uh, we, you know, you guys, you guys, you guys, uh, you know, leave me behind. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> glad to be a part of it. We'll work on that. Let's begin our football conversation with your friend and current head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid. What would a Super Bowl win do for Andy Reid's football legacy? I mean, it's very similar to mine. I mean, uh, you saw the response and the reaction of the crowd and the team. I mean, I know that Andy doesn't want this Super Bowl to be about him, but inevitably a big portion of it will be about him. And it really is, uh, for his, you know, for his resume, uh, look, I, if I didn't win a Super Bowl, it would be different. I wish, you know, that life was easier than that, but that's just a fact. And, uh, and I think for Andy, it's the same thing. Um, hugely successful. Coaching tree, legacy, uh, incredible success, and uh, a Super Bowl win obviously kind of makes, not finishes it, but certainly puts it in a place where uh, you know people will see it differently. I don't know how Andy will uh, see it differently, but others would, the perception would change for sure. Absolutely. It'd be nice to take away the verbal asterisk uh, with his career and just say, yeah, he won one, he's in the club, he's inside, right? And, and it's fun because not only is Andy in it, Daniel Sorensen with the Chiefs and Fred Warner with the Niners. So for the first time in 11 years, BYU has a guy on each side guaranteed to get someone to win the Super Bowl from BYU. I know, and Fred's done a great job. Because people, I think you realize that Fred came in and with really no – I mean, a lot of times in the pros, you need a sponsor. And I don't mean like an actual person, but just perceptionally a sponsor. You know, somebody that, you know, you got you got an expectation. And Fred had none. And Fred came in and, and kind of uh, carved out and, and uh, clawed out his own place in, the, in, in the, with the 49ers. And now not just clawed it out himself, but now a leadership role. And somebody that people are looking to, even at his young age, as a guy that, uh, you know, runs the place. And I, I ran into Fred when I spoke to the team, and, and he was just uh, fired up. I mean, he just loved the fact that uh, um, I was there and the BYU connection. And, uh, and Fred's very, uh, you know, Fred's still very much about the BYU Cougars, but uh, clearly he's made a huge difference in San Francisco. Yeah, no question. Uh, speaking of Fred Warner and Dirty Dan Daniel Sorensen, both playing in their first Super Bowl, what advice would you give to those guys, this being the first big game that they've played in? That's so hard because the game is so different. Uh, the timing, uh, the routine is, is off. Uh, and, you know, football players are all about routine. And the whole week is a hype. And it's just a football. It's, it's, the football game is kind of embedded in, in, in uh, the middle of just an incredible week of worrying about your family, worrying about the tickets, worrying about, you know, all kinds of things. So, it, it really is, and it's up to the coaches to, pro, you know, provide an environment where they can feel like it's kind of normal 
like the time, you know, what we're, how we meet, how we practice, what we're talking about. Nothing's out of the, out of the, uh, because you've seen teams, uh, that have, you know, not themselves when they get to the Super Bowl. And the last thing you want, you know, look, win or lose, you just don't want to leave the game going, I, I don't even know who that was that played. You know, I can't, re- I don't remember much about it. My fingers were numb and I forgot about how to, how to play good football. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that's the big thing. I mean, you can lose a game because you get beat, but when you beat yourself, that's when the Super Bowl's losing, uh, you know, kind of self-inflicted wounds or, you know, really bummers. When you got to the one where you started and won, did it, I guess, of course, help you to have gone before and kind of had a sense of that difference in those games versus the regular game? Oh, so that sure. when you started, you were ready? For sure. Oh, absolutely. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo's got that advantage more over really anyone else in the, in the field. Uh, because he's seen it, he's seen what it looks like, he's seen the the drama, he's seen. That's helpful. I mean, to me, I it, it helps you because you don't you you never fool yourself. You never think, oh, I yeah, I got this figured out, because you know you do, you don't, because you've watched it. And so I, I really I really think that's helpful. Steve Young, three time Super Bowl champion, Pro Football Hall of Famer, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, how do you feel about the nickname Dirty Dan for Daniel Sorensen, arguably the most straight-arrowed guy in the entire league? Uh, well, I, I know the, 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 the Jekyll and Hyde of football. Um, some of the nicest humans I ever knew were some of the toughest football players I ever watched or played with. And it was very, you know, you'd, you'd, they'd go out of the locker room and go home, and you thought that they, uh, you know, uh, the, it's time to go home teaching, you know. I mean, I, and then they'd go to the play, and you're like, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> Name names. <laughs> There's actually quite a few. This is not a rarity. You know? <laughs> not a rarity. And then, and then sometimes you you ran into a guy like Reggie White, where uh, Reggie was you know fury, but then he always wanted to talk to you when you got to the quarterback. You know, hey Steve, how you doing? Uh, how's everything? You know, I'm like. I'm, you know, he'd be, I'd be getting up from getting sacked. I'm like, Reggie, I'm not doing too good, buddy. I really don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Now's a bad time. <laughs> now, now's a bad time. But he actually was worried that he wouldn't see me, and we were friends, and so he was, like, wanting to catch up, you know. And so I told Roger, I'd see Reggie at the Pro Bowl. I said, Reggie, we will, I will make sure that we speak at the end of the game. I promise you, do not have to come sack me to have a conversation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need extra incentive. I don't need extra incentive. But he was that way. He loved the chat. He wanted to make sure that you were, you know, how's it going? How's it, you know, it's like, it was classic. But yeah, there's guys, there's super tough guys that, uh, you know, Tim McDonald, I played for many years in safety. I mean, here's a, uh, uh, a guy that you'd want to date your little girl to, um, you know, run your business to, you know, speak to the, church you know i mean this guy is amazing and then he would just he's he gets on the field he's a killer you know you're like whoa okay sorry i didn't you're two different people (laughs) famously joe montana has the john candy moment right he sees john candy did you ever have something like that where you just notice something obscure in the middle of this game where you'd think you'd be 100 percent focused but your eyes wander for a moment mine was at the national anthem i the year before our super bowl whitney houston just changed Yes. changed national anthems forever, you know, in Tampa. And then we were in Miami and, and I look, I, Kathy Lee Gifford, I'm sure is phenomenal uh, human, but I mean, I just, it was just, as she was singing, I was thinking, 
well, wait a second. This is not Whitney Houston. (laughs) 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 I don't know if that's a John Candy moment, but I remember thinking, this is not, this is not, this. These things don't don't match for some reason. <laughs> hey, amen to that. Yeah, no one can oh, top Whitney. That was that's amazing. hilarious. Can't well, no, about- but I mean, you know, I mean, she's great for a co-host on uh, TV, but I didn't, didn't see her singing the national anthem. So that's all. Totally fair statement. Um, I want to go back to something you brought up just a few moments ago: the Pro Bowl. Your guy Fred Warner from your beloved San Francisco 49ers got the snub. Do you think that made him play a little bit harder, Steve? Well, I think Fred's in a, in a mindset that, uh, you know, I'm not so sure he's super offended by it. I mean, he's he's really, like I said, he clawed this out himself, and so he's continuing to do that. And so there's a, there's, I'm sure there's a little humility about where he is, and I think there's also a sense that I'm going to be around for a while, and I'm only going to get better. And people know Fred, and, uh, and that's the thing. A lot of the Pro Bowl is perception. So the perception is Fred wasn't quite there. And whether that's true or not, you know, we recognize that that's probably not the right way to look at it. But the perception is going to continue to change. And in a couple of years, Fred will be like, you know, the mainstay. Like he'll be like, oh, yeah, Fred Warner on Pro Bowl and for sure. You know, and, and then you look back on your career and you don't even remember this, this, this snub. You know, I won't even, you know, I, I remember Peyton Manning early in his career. Repeat, oh, he can't do it. He can't, you know, he can't win the big one. He can't beat the Patriots. He can't do that. He can't. He chokes in the end. You know, and like. You know, Peyton's going to be a great player, so you don't have to worry about some of this early stuff. And so I, I think Fred Fred will look back on his career. It's an all, all-pro all career. Uh, he won't even remember this one. What should uh, Taysom Hill do for his long-term future? Because he's been this amazing Swiss Army knife. It's been so fun to watch. But in the end, he does want to be a quarterback. So should he wait it out post-Drew Brees with the Saints or look elsewhere at some point? Uh, I, I think he's got to – I think he's got to wait it out because he, he's such a unique talent. He needs somebody that really, you know, he, having the years in New Orleans, having the years with that system, having a coach that really you can tell believes in him uh, and willing to take risks to try to put him in a position to, to play the position. Um, I would not want to go wandering around. Now, there's a couple places you could go, uh, coaches that you knew or systems that you for sure. Yeah, there's a couple spots that I think that you could move to, but, 28 of them, I would not want him to kind of roaming around trying to, you know, make a career at quarterback. I think he's there. Drew is not, I mean, look, Drew is now considering his future. You don't just, you don't keep considering your future for years and years. Um, and so I, I just, I think he's in a great spot. I think they'll pay him as he waits, uh, I suspect, because of the impact he's having already anyway. And so Taysom's got such a cool thing going in New Orleans. And the things that he's doing on the field that they're just going to expand on, I just I don't want him to move around. I mean, I, I moved I moved from one of the worst teams to the best, and I stuck. I you couldn't you couldn't dig me out of North, uh, San Francisco. So I, I I think that you know no matter how it goes, I, I think that Taysom's got to stay there. ESPN NFL analyst, BYU football legend, and Super Bowl champion Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's get right to the question, Steve. Which team is going to win the Super Bowl, the 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs? I thought the question was Roderick is going to keep calling play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to discuss well, that as let's well. Let's not get confused here. Let's not get confused here. <laughs> <laughs> we got to fo- stay focused, boys. Stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Hey, yes. we're not, okay, we're yes. not afraid the of that. That is yes. Okay. Yes. 
yes. We, we say yes to that. Okay. All right, good. Now, now we can ask the other question. Uh, I, it's good. I, the matchup is a really cool matchup because, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the last time he ran into uh, a great innovative play caller in Sean Payton in New Orleans, they had it out. And the plays they called, the things they were doing, it was awesome to watch. But it was wide open and crazy. I just don't know if, if Kyle's going to play it that way. He might want to shorten the game and um, run the football like he's been so successful at. And that just changes the dynamic. Um, and, he'll, and he'll want to win that game 28-21 rather than 45-41. You know? And so there's these philosophical conversations I'm sure they're having now on how to attack this game. And I would think, you know, for me, I, I would just want to just start early and often against Patrick because I think Patrick, no matter what you try to do to him, he has a way of you know, exploding on you. And uh, if you're going to say, look, I'm going to keep him under 28, um, I think it'd be tough. But I think that's how they'll start it. I think they'll start it to try to shorten the game. And in the end, um, I think it's going to be the last play. I think the 49ers are an incredibly um, put-together team as far as their locker room and who they are. This I-got-your-back thing that they got going is really, you know, kind of – it really matters. And in the end, I think that might be enough. So, I mean, I, I – I will always pick the 49ers, but I think that uh, I think this one's tight. But uh, those last second plays, you know. Okay, and let's finish with this. ESPN produced the top 150 players in college football history list. You were the only BYU Cougar on it, number 86. Uh, one, how'd you feel about that? And two, should Ty or Jim McMahon have been on that list? I thought Jim and Ty and myself should be one, two, three. I don't know what they were. <laughs> in, in what order, Steve? <laughs> right? I don't. It doesn't matter. I mean, I just come on. Look, I learned the game from Jim. I'm, if I know how to play the position, I learned it from Jim. Jim was the most tactic, uh, technically sound. You know, as crazy as Jim is, he was technically as sound as anyone to ever play the position. The way he dropped through, how he read defenses, um, he was. You know, he was Joe Montana in college, and uh, he went to a you know a place that doesn't really help quarterbacks in Chicago. And I think that in the end, you look back over the many years, anyone who talks about college looks through the pro lens, and I think that's maybe why uh, they weren't on it. You know, what I mean, it's just inevitable that you can't just separate it for some reason uh, because both. I mean, when I, I remember watching Ty as a pro and watching what he was doing, in fact, many times I'll see a player who's got this innate, intuitive nature to the game. It seems like they just get it. And I'm like, oh, that's like Ty Detmer. And so both of them, uh, I, will, I, I, learned what, I learned how to play from Jim, and I learned how to, you know, Ty was back, back me up. And I remember coming off the field, and Ty would give me that look like, what are, you, what are you doing? You're such an idiot. And I always feel so stupid. I mean, I've been playing for 15 years in the NFL, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Ty, I'm embarrassed. I'm shit have been better. <laughs> you know, because he, he was that guy. He knew. He just get, he got it. So – both of them, I mean, they obviously deserve it. And, I, you know, I, I would love it if we were like one, two, three, or whatever it was, just right together. Because uh, um, awesome to be able to be there, to be around what we had going and what we hopefully will get going again and, and at times. And, uh, and they should be on it for sure. I mean, Jim and Ty were phenomenal, no question. Steve, always great to have you on the show. You're always welcome at BYU Broadcasting. Bring your uh, family by anytime. Hang out in Studio C. And uh, we'll continue our Aaron Roderick conversation very soon. <laughs> Just make sure. Just make sure he calls the place. That's all I can. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> See you, boys. Oh, Steve Young on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. He, he knows who was calling the place at the end of the season. Yeah. And he's, he, 
Steve's not afraid to voice his opinion. I love that. No, he's not. So, that, that was and, insightful and I, stuff. I love I love that part where he talked about he learned the game from from Jim McMahon. Because yes. so did I. He you, and I you both were in the room with Steve. We were both there watching Jim and he would quiz us both. I learned how to play from Jim and then Steve continued my education as I backed Steve up as well. So I love to both of those guys. What an amazing time at BYU. So it was a great, great time. So well, coming up, top five plays from BYU Hoops last week, and there are multiple Jake Toulson threes. I'll say that. Oh, man. And BYU Hoops players react to the passing of Kobe Bryant. This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, and enjoy on demand and subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, Jerem Jordan and Blaine Fowler. Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. The latest Lenardi bracket has BYU as a 10 seed playing Wichita State. St. Mary's moves up to a 9 seed and Gonzaga stays a 1 seed. Of course. Volleyball. BYU racked up the awards after two wins at number 5 UC Irvine. On the road last week, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez is the Offensive Player of the Week. After 41 kills and eight sets against the Anteaters, the Defensive Player of the Week is setter Will Stanley because of his 25 digs and seven blocks in eight sets. And Felipe Gibrito Fajeda is the Middle Attacker of the Week, according to Off the Block. Number two, BYU host number three, UC Santa Barbara. Cannot wait for that. Friday and Saturday on BYU TV. Gymnastics. Junior gymnast Abby Miner was named the MRGC Gymnast of the Week for the third straight week. She's getting after it, I'll tell you. And the teammate Shannon Evans was named the MRGC Vault Specialist of the Week. The team is uh, traveling to Boise State this Friday. Track and field. Women's team is ranked 25th in the USTF CCCA Week 1 rankings for the indoor season. I think I got all the seasons. Three C's. Yep, something like that. Cougars head to the Washington Invitational this week. Golf. With one round of the Southwestern Invitational suspended due to darkness, the Cougars sit in 10th place at 11 over par. Top BYU golfer Kelton Hirsch sits at 5 over par after 12 holes and is tied for 33. Jimmer! Fredette is a Greek League All-Star. He received the second most uh, votes for a foreign player and was fifth overall in votes. Certainly a popular player in Greece. Well, we are still coping with the new Sunday of Kobe Bryant's passing. It's been hard. The world has reacted in an unprecedented way. Uh, in fact, tonight's Clippers versus Lakers game has been postponed in L.A. Uh, due to uh, uh, Kobe Bryant's passing, due to grieving from uh, the Lakers and Laker Nation and Kobe Bryant fans. Uh, yesterday, we went to the Marriott Center and we interviewed uh, a few BYU basketball players to get their thoughts on the impact of Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe and his line of sneakers is what got me in, you know, into wearing wearing kicks on the court. You know, I remember wearing Kobe fives my freshman year at Orem High, and ever since then, they've been my favorite shoe of all time. He influenced everything that I did on the court. He he influenced a lot, you know, off the court, and just how he had his mama mentality and what that meant. Um, he really, you know, transcends more than just basketball. His motivational uh, speeches has been something I watch before every single game. I watch him to stay motivated and to see how he looks at the game and he analyzes it. He's just been an inspiration to me in my life. I love him. I was grateful for everything he taught us and for the game that he loved and was so passionate about. He gave me a path uh, beyond basketball of what to do in life, um, whether it be basketball or something else. I knew that I had to give 100% and uh, try every second of every day to be the best in my craft. Kobe, I always look up to you, and uh, thank you for everything you did for me. 
his big thing was his Mamba mentality. I think, especially for me right now, I mean, I've, I've read his book um, and getting through injuries, but not just through this injury I'm going through, but just in life in general, you know, hard things, just getting through them, you know, the, the Mamba mentality way, just kind of pushing through and, and getting through no matter what the obstacle is, whether it's an injury, whether it's, you know, not related to sports at all. Um, just using the way that he thinks, I mean, it's, it's incredible, just his mindset. And so I just feel extremely blessed that, you know, me, he has no idea who I am or, or, or anything about my life, but that he was able to bless my life in that way just through his wisdom and through his ability to kind of get through hard times. And so that's, that's what Kobe Bryant means to me. It's just incredible the, the impact that he had, um, even on me when I was younger. I wasn't even a fan of him, but it's been also good just to to realize the impact that he's had on my life, just to motivate me to, you know, become a better basketball player and, you know, be more dedicated to, to the game that I love, so. But I just wanted to say thank you, Kobe, for the way you inspired me. No matter how hard I thought I was pushing myself, I thought of, of Kobe and the stories and his work ethic, and I realized I could do more and uh, I could work harder. We can all take perspective from this, and we can all take, uh, we can all take something from it whether that's reaching out to a loved one or uh, having a different frame of mindset in your life. You know, Kobe's impact will, will live on and uh, he'll be with us forever. Certainly uh, influential to all the uh, current basketball players and people who have played. And you realize, that, so I was, I was a kid when Jordan was in his prime. I, I was a teenager and got to enjoy that as a teenager. But for these guys, this was their Jordan. This was the this guy. was their Jordan, yeah. right? My, my my favorite play, and it's not a scoring play or a dunk or anything. It's when I believe it was Matt Barnes had the ball on the baseline, and Kobe was faced up to him right on the baseline, and Matt took the ball and went like this, right right in his face, and Kobe didn't even move. Almost like it's unbelievable. Almost like really, you can try that on me. You should know nothing phases me. How does he not flinch? Like, like I, I can't believe. I it. I don't flinch. At anything, his competitiveness was unmatched. He and Michael, I think, were the two most competitive guys ever. And uh, what a great compliment to Shaq! But um, yeah, that's my favorite, my favorite on the court memory of Kobe Bryant. It's not even a major. Crazy. Most of the guys that came to do that interview, by the way, had Kobe Bryant shoes on. Yeah. The the influence that he has uh, in that way, and I've mentioned this. BYU volleyball for a decade plus has worn Kobe shoes, and you'll see those on display Friday and Saturday night. So. Uh, more from uh, the BYU men's basketball team and Mark Pope coming up tonight on the Pope Show uh, related to obviously what's going on with the team, but about Kobe Bryant as well. Mark Pope's the guy that there are pictures online of him guarding Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I doubt it was successfully, No, uh, but Mark played in the league with Kobe. Could anybody guard Kobe successfully? Really? Bruce Bowen could give him a hard time. That was about it, right? Yeah, there weren't a lot of guys. I think Kawhi, you know, could probably. Young Kawhi. A young Kawhi could yeah. probably match up with him pretty good. A young so. Kawhi was in the yeah. league, yeah. So, well, coming up, BYU women's hoop team is synced up. So, yes, they are. Notice the word synced up on social media in today's Rise and Shout Out. And millions are noticing. We'll tell you about that. And Toolson for three again. It's Top 5 Tuesday on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Number two men's volleyball hosts number three UC Santa Barbara twice this weekend. The first match is Friday at 9 Eastern on BYU TV. This is a great litmus test for BYU men's volleyball. How good are the Cougars? They look really good right now. Number three is coming in. I trust trust you. You tell me they're a national title contender. I think they are. I think they're one of the top teams uh, in the mix. This this whole year, the fall and now, is it – 
I'm looking back. This has to be one of the best overall sports it years is. in it, as long as I can it remember. Is. you got to go back to the early 80s when baseball was king yes. and basketball was king to find a yes. year like this, right? Yes. I would say it's one of the top five. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, amazing. And we are premiering and debuting Top 5 Tuesday. This is a new thing. Listen, Mondays happen. You're back at work. You're like, you know what? You get to Tuesday. You're like, okay, the week's starting to speed up. We're going to give you Top 5 Tuesday. Yeah, you need a Top 5 on Tuesday. Every Tuesday until the rapture. That's our promise or your money back from Ben Bagley. <laughs> is this Ben's idea? Yeah, it's Ben's okay. Ben. It's a good uh, idea. We're going to count it down from five down. Yes, Top yes. 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. It's men's hoop centric from the two games last week, Pacific and San Francisco. We start with number five. Yoli Child splits the defenders to find Dalton Nixon for a two-hand slam against San Francisco. Child's back in the game. Child's. Gets a nice seal yes. and a handoff to Dalton Nixon. Drive and dunk. Drew the defense, left Nixon open. Dalton scores it. Mark Durant's back. Mm. Yes! <laughs> I think he doubted the pass for a second. Dalton Nixon had seven. Uh, that was a great pass. And Dalton moves great without the ball. That's why he gets lots of good shots. He, yes. he understands he, how to move without the ball. Play a ton in the second half, I want to say, against San Francisco. Yeah, which hurts because I think he brings a toughness and a defense to the to this team. So, Okay, let's go with number four. Jake Toulson drains a deep three. And I mean deep before halftime against the USF Dons. BYU should go two for one here. 45 seconds to go until halftime. Long three, Toulson. Oh, what a big shot! A three Jake for one. Toulson! Oh, a sense of the moment. They go two for one and a three-pointer on the two for one. Seven-point lead. Toulson finished with 17 points. Um, we're going to have a little bit more from Jake Toulson coming up, but he seems to have really found his stroke this last week, and they're going to need that as BYU's on a stretch where they have a bunch of must-win games. Yeah, really important games coming up. Number three, Yoli Childs with a hammer dunk after a full-court pass from Jake Toulson against Pacific. And that's what kept things close in the first half. The runner from Moore, back rim as the shot clock expires, no, and the rebound to Toulson. Well, leaking is Childs, and he hammers it home on the deep throw by Jake. Yoli Childs with 23. And he would finish with 26 points and 9 rebounds coming off of that compound dislocated finger. Uh, Jake Toulson might be at spring ball uh, debuting as quarterback. That was a p- perfect deep ball with touch <laughs> so over nice. to linebacker. And I think Jake could play quarterback as long as Yoli comes and plays tight end. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> and I think a 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, oh, he would be ridiculous in that position. So, <laughs> Number two, T.J. Hawes with an acrobatic layup right from a horse game, it looked like to me, to bring the Cougs within two points late against San Francisco. Go up high, a steal, Haas. Haas breaking it away. Haas to the rim, takes contact, reverse lay and good. There could have been a foul there. What a shot. But what a scooping reverse lay and score by TJ. If that could have been an and one, it would have even been better. But it was good. It changed the game there. It's one of the ones where you say, listen, I'm going to go under the rim and I'm going to rock the baby. And then I'm going to spin it off the glass with sideways spin and it's going to go in. Nothing but what, net. Right-handed, right? Yeah, Not left-handed. Was, it was crazy. Man. So uh, it was a big weekend for TJ. He set the record for the most consecutive games played or started at 123. He passes my good friend Jeff Chapman. Um, he also moved up to 10th all-time in scoring and 9th in steals. And I remember when Jeff Amazing. finished that run, I thought nobody's going to touch that record. Mm. And here TJ Haas goes beyond Jeff Chapman, has a chance to extend it big time and consecutive games started. 20-plus years later, and TJ's wife, Lauren, expecting best of luck to them. We'll see if it's this week. They're two we g- broke the record now. Week. The baby's more now, important. But yeah. let's just hope. Yeah, exactly. We wanted to extend that record. And the top play on this debut of Top 5 Tuesday, number one spot, Jake Tilson going off from three in the second half against Pacific. 31. DYU missing a three from Barcelo. Toulson for three, and that's good! 
straight away Jake. Jake will drive trip, step back, shoot a three, and get it to go! Into another three. Again! Down the lane, step back again, again! Oh, wow! AB to the paint, pulls it out. Jake for three. He did it again! Jake, the make, yet again! What a stretch. 14 points of the 21-0 run for BYU. Six of eight from three. Five in the second half. Jake Toulson rounds out the finish of Top 5 Tuesday. He was phenomenal last week. Coming up, our elite voice of the day. And how'd we do an and one picks over the weekend? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Let's review how we did in and one. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, I was up a point on Spencer, who cares about Jason's picks. Spencer's first pick. BYU holds San Francisco to 70 or fewer points. Yeah, that didn't happen. Wrong. 83 points for USF. And then the N1 pick, BYU will have four players in double figs. That happened, but doesn't count because you got to make the shot, right? Right. Okay, my first pick, BYU by five plus. Wrong. Wrong. Uh, BYU lost <laughs> I'm the like game. I'm like the gong guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I missed that one. And my N1, I, I got BYU scores 76 plus. Doesn't matter. So neither of us got points. The scoreboard remains the same. I'm up 27-26. Question of the day, what are your expectations for Zach Wilson next season? The Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at J. Matthew Evans on Instagram. I hope that Zach makes huge strides next year, as many quarterbacks do in their junior and senior years. That was your point, right? I'm expecting big things. Depth is a great thing, but this is Zach's moment. Let him show that he can seize it. Give give him a spring ball, and I think he's going to make strides. I really do. And remember, he's going to play his junior and senior seasons with the torn labrum in the left shoulder. He got the right one fixed. Well, I, th- I think he'll make great progress. Okay, today's rise and shoutouts. Who gets Let, Let's start. Mine goes to BYU women's basketball player Maria Albiero, who posted this video of her and teammate Kaylee Smiler. The, the display of synchronized dribbling and shooting. This was posted on TikTok. 2.8 million likes, but how about 11.7 million views? Got to drain the Bam. three, too. How about that? How many times do you think they had to do that? That was phenomenal. I'm going to say once. You they, think just, they did first they just try. nailed it. No, probably so. That's awesome. We'll have to ask him. That's awesome. Mine goes to Cosmo. Uh, recently at a gymnastics meet, he he does a like a I don't even know what this is a, a double gainer what, whatever after what? the it's it's amazing it's amazing. Um, he did a floor routine as well. Like Cosmo is the best mascot. We all know it, but this was put out and people just love it. What a what a yeah. guy. He a tuck gainer full off the side. A tuck gainer full. A tuck gainer full <laughs> off the side. Come in a, on. In a Cosmo mascot. That's craziness. Yeah. So the Cosmos are the best athletes on the floor or on the field. I'm They're the best right in the Cosmos. So. Well, hey, let's thanks today's guest, Steve Young. Appreciate yeah. him being here. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sorry to Dennis Pitt on no time. Go Cougs.